This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. Yeshua's name appears in the Old Testament, but it's not referring to who you think it is. Keith Johnson and Dr. Nehemiah Gordon comb through the Torah to illustrate the subtle nuances of Yeshua's name for different individuals throughout the ancient world. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Shabbat Shalom, Torah fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. Keith Johnson and Dr. Nehemiah Gordon are famous for bringing us the true pronunciation of God's name, Yehovah. Today, we are going to do something a little different. We're going to look for the name of the Messiah. Yes, his actual name, Yeshua, in the Old Testament. It's there, but you have to look in places you probably wouldn't think of, and that's coming up tonight. And also, Passover is coming up as well in just three weeks. At least, that's what it says on the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. There, you see it right there. We are just a few weeks away from Passover, so let's talk about with David Robinson and Keith Johnson. Hey, Welcome, Peter. gentlemen. Yeah. I asked the question, yeah. who writes this stuff? I mean, you're really good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love, Keith, it. I love this. Man, yeah, he really good. good. You know what's, why? What's changed? Let, let me tell you what's why I did changed. This. Let me tell you why I did this. Because the last time I was on with you two, I felt like it was a reverse Oreo with double stuff. <laughs> I decided I'm gonna if I'm gonna be on with you two, I'm gonna change. And guess what? The change is taking place. I am so excited. We did a video mm -hmm. which our friend uh, edited for us. I yep. called him the Jib Master. Uh, uh, my revolution to my health, and it's it. I, really, my life has changed, Scott. I mean, for real. I mean, for real, from well, the I'm inside out. So it's not just you've lost weight. I'm just it's, telling you, it's it. Literally, my whole life has changed. I cannot wait until Passover because mm. you know that's the, really the mile marker for me. Got a big announcement at Passover. If everything goes according to plan, I am so excited. Okay. In fact, I pulled up today and I said, "Where are the satellite trucks?" Where's the satellite trucks in the tent? <laughs> I realize I'm a little early. <laughs> Passover is going to be an absolute amazing event. I am more excited than you can ever imagine, and I want to thank mm. you for getting me ready. Well, but you're, always, you're always energetic, but I can no, no, tell I, a difference. You, no, no, feel yeah. a lot better. Hey, folks, if they haven't seen this video uh, that uh -huh. Brian edited for us for on, on, on the on, on the uh, on the health awakening, health awakening. Yep, my revolution to health. It's changing people. It's yeah. changing people, and that's what I'm saying. Well, I'll tell you about. what, ever since people, they're seeing you on there, and yeah. for whatever reason, we've done lots of health awakening mm. shows, right? Yeah. But they see you on there, and like what you and I did together, yeah. and they're like, my phone is ringing off the hook because yeah. wow. people are excited about what you've done, and they want to do the same thing. And they haven't even seen the final product that shows up at Passover. Oh, yeah. Like, and I cannot wait to talk about what's happening at Passover. Oh, you got me oh. really curious now. Well, I'm really curious no, about this. No. Yeah, I, that so, thing's so, scary. No, no, this is scary. Actually, this is not, this is on a world tour. It's actually, it's the last time it came to a rude awakening. It's going to be three times, and it's going to be on its way back to where I got it from. You can hear more about that when we go through the You have to uh, give episode. this thing back? I've got to give it back. Oh, it's wow. It's on so, loan to ARA. So how many are there? Really? The, the, well, this, this, is a, this is a one and only. Here, this particular one. and only. 1853. 
the most amazing Bible, the only Bible in the world. Dr. Gordon, myself, and Nelson, the research assistant, tried to find another translation that does what this translation does, and we could not find it. You got to watch the show today. Really? This is amazing. That's the first thing. I didn't know it was no, that what's the, special. What's the, like, that what's, was, what makes you so got to watch the show? You got to watch it. You got to watch the show. Well, you can give us a little hint. Okay, all I mean, I'm telling you is <laughs> this Bible addresses the name Yeshua, language, history, and context, without doing translators' tricks. It does it in the most amazing way, just huh. the way it would have been spoken 2,000 years ago. That's number one. Wow. I get the second, th second reason I came in, you know, I kind of crashed the party here. <laughs> I, yeah, I know you guys probably wanted Nehemiah, but he's somewhere in the world looking at scrolls somewhere, somewhere around the world. Yeah. We just got to get him back for Passover. Because there are some things that he's working on right now that we're going to announce at Passover that are literally changing the landscape of scholarship around the world. Mm. And it gets to be announced here. It's really? amazing. That's, it's, that's exciting. I wish I could say some of it. I guess I can't. I, I, I guess. But can't, Nick, I, I have one question. I think I don't know if you put me off or you were going to answer it what later. Is there commentary? There's in in this. There is, is there, commentary. Okay. Uh, like I said, we did uh, two episodes right here. We uh, we recorded them on Hebrew Gospel Pearls, available free to everybody. The tricks of translation, part one. The tricks of translation, part two. But I wanted to have part three be on SNL. Mm -hmm. So you, mm -hmm. my friend, were so gracious. Ted, the group, everyone was so gracious to let us do this segment on what I call part three, but specifically about the name Yeshua. Mm, Amazing. Yeah. Now, Love uh, it. permission to permission for one one more. Oh, go for it. <laughs> yeah. You're on a roll. Hey, You're I feel well. like I got a little more, little more space here. Yeah. The other thing <laughs> is had we, more did, coffee. we did this series <laughs> called Why Not Jesus? And yes. the third episode of that series was called The Bethlehem Birth Certificate. And so you and yeah. I were doing this series, and I was saying, hey, you know, we got this little thing here, and we only got a few of them. Well, we had a flood of people that wanted this booklet and this poster. We got rid of them. I called Nehemiah. I said, Nehemiah, we're going to need more of the booklets. Guess what? We just got them in, and oh, they're really? here. And here's oh, what's good. great about this book, the naming of Jesus in Hebrew Matthew. Hmm. The amazing thing about this booklet is it actually teaches you to read the manuscripts of the Hebrew Gospel of Matthew letter by letter. Now, Hemia doesn't even sell them anymore. He wouldn't. I begged him to reprint them. He did. So if you have not seen episode three, the Bethlehem birth certificate, watch it. We talk about how they can get the booklet and the poster. I mean, this is not a sales pitch. Mm -hmm. We just had so many people that we turned away. We now have it and at Passover. I'm so excited to announce again. We have enough for people to be able to to learn to read the Hebrew Gospel of Matthew just the way I did letter by letter. And Nehemiah does a phenomenal mm. job. Dr. Nehemiah Gordon. Beautiful. Now, speaking Amazing. of Passover, you're going to be here. Absolutely. We're all going to be here. It's going to be a great thing. And there's going to be folks in the studio here. Yeah. That's why I said yep. the tents. Uh, the tents aren't up. Uh, people should be camping, right? I mean, <laughs> they'll, they'll be in the back. No, this is a they'll live no, This is a live thing. This is a live thing, right? So yeah. I can say stuff and you guys can't yeah. edit it. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, speaking of being in the back, David, I don't know if you were here. We did a Passover here once years ago. It was like yeah. 2013 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And we, had a, a, we were roasting the lamb in the parking lot yep. behind the building. Yep. Well, people got the wrong idea. Right. They thought we were sacrificing lambs. And yeah. They called the cops. <laughs> yeah. I said, serious. And they came here to the police. They're like, what are you guys doing? We're like, you having a barbecue? We're like, we heard you were sacrificing lambs. And we just bust out laughing. <laughs> well, no, I got to tell you something. No, it's not the case. Scott, I tell you, David, really, uh, A Root Awakening has positioned itself, I think, like no other ministry in the world. The kinds of people that are coming here to this event, I have not seen this kind of event where we have such diversity 
of people that are coming at the highest level of education, the highest level of research. I mean, I won't even give their names. Hopefully, folks have checked the registration. Can they still oh, yeah. register? Yeah, there's, can, yeah. Well, you so can register you can't, to watch online. Or online. Yeah. yeah. You can, Just you can online. Watch online. It's, it's full yeah, it's, as far as here. We okay, yourself, we're full here. Yeah. But we're going to, we're so, it's satellite. Oh, world. absolutely. Yeah. So there's, there's you, there's Dr. Nehemia Gordon, there's uh, Dr. Miles Jones, uh, Nelson Calvillo. Tim Mahoney, yeah. I'll be there. It's gonna be yeah. that's crazy. Pastor, the pastor. You have some folks, the pastor here in South Carolina that's coming. Van oh, uh, Doctor, um, our doctor. He might as well be a doctor. He's a great guy. Yeah, uh, Matthew Vanderels. Yeah. Vanderels, he's yeah. coming Not as well. Only that. Yeah. Not only that. The big, the big deal is Michael himself. That yeah, is the biggest Michael deal. Michael will be here. The matador of the ministry. Yes. He has <laughs> not had a Passover in several years. Yeah. And then COVID hit, of course, and yeah. it all fell apart. Yeah. So this is a big deal. It is a big deal. I cannot, I cannot wait. And again, there's some things that we're going to announce. There's some things we're going to talk about that, that we only are going to share at Passover. You do not want, as, as I like how Ted says this, ladies and gentlemen, you do not want to miss this. All right. <laughs> and you, <laughs> you do not want to miss this one, guys. You don't want to miss Passover. And you don't want to miss this. This is what's coming up tonight. This is what Keith and Nehemiah are doing. Take a look. These three names are equivalent. Jesus, or not, there's no J, right? Yes. So Jesus, Yeshua, and Yeshu, and Yehoshua. These are four different forms of the same name in different languages. All right, okay, so there you go. Wow, okay, so intriguing stuff. Yeshua's name in the Torah. That's coming up next, but right now, it's time to get your bread and wine for the Kiddush with Michael. In Matthew's account of the gospel, Yeshua says that we are the light of the world. But in some parts of the world, the darkness we are to expose is more intense than we can imagine. Making the gospel relative, I don't believe, is conducive to making disciples. We're not supposed to be relative. We're supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to be the answer to a lost and dying world. Sharing experiences about his work to bring the Torah to Native American people here at home and to enslaved young women in the darkest reaches of India and Pakistan, Rodney Thompson brings a wake-up call to apathetic believers in Dealing with Darkness. Dealing with Darkness is our gift to thank you for supporting A Rude Awakening International. When you donate $50 to this ministry in March, we'll send you Dealing with Darkness on DVD or Blu-ray. Donate $100 and we'll send you Dealing with Darkness plus an olive wood mezuzah from Israel featuring the Shema in Hebrew and English inscribed both on the wood and written on a scroll inside. Donate $300 and we'll send you three gifts. Dealing with Darkness, the olive wood Shema mezuzah plus a 10-inch decorative butterfly bowl featuring vibrant, hand-painted artwork by artists in Israel. These gifts are a limited-time offer from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Get these exclusive thank you gifts when you make a donation to support A Rood Awakening International in March. Call 888-766-3610 or get your gifts online with a donation at monthlylovegift.com. Folks around these parts tell me you're pretty quick with that shofar. 
I am. And that's a, a mighty purdy holster you got there. You sure you can uh, <clears throat> make me one? I am. <laughs> dude, why do you keep saying I am? It's the name of God, dude. Yeah-ho-vah, you know, I am. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> There's only one problem with that, partner. You see, this Sabbath gathering ain't big enough for two shofar. Are you saying we should draw? I am. Man. Some of the traditions in modern-day Judaism are what Yeshua said are takanot, laws which change biblical law, which are forbidden, and Yeshua said don't do them. But other traditions are remembrances of good things in the past, and they are a shadow picture of good things to happen in the future. On the Sabbath, we take two hollow loaves, two loaves of bread. This represents the manna, the double portion that we received on the sixth day. This was God's provision for us. And this is what it continues to mean to us today. When Yeshua, just before his crucifixion, the night before his crucifixion, at the last supper that he had with his disciples, he took bread and he blessed, not the bread, he blessed the Most High. And he said, Baruch Atah, Yehovah, Elohim Melech HaOlam, Hamotzi Lechem, Min Haaretz. And he broke the bread and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, remember this, by his stripes, we were healed. And then he took the cup and he said, in the prayer of Melchizedek to Abraham, Baruch atah Yahweh, Elohim Melech HaAlam, Borei Puri HaGafen. Blessed are you, Yahweh, our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said this, what you have been doing for a thousand years from the time of Abraham, this represents the renewed covenant in my blood. This is how I will pay for the broken covenant. I will pay the death penalty and do this until I come. Welcome to Hebrew Gospel Pearl Special that is actually a real special because we're making it special for SNL, Shabbat Night Live, specifically for those of you that are listening. I'm here with Dr. Gordon Dehemia. Thank you so much for doing this. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to be here. Before we get too far into this, this is what we call the tricks of translation. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Before we go too far, I want you to watch something. 43 seconds. Take a look. What Bible do you read? And how do you know it's the right one? 
There's only one version of the Bible, right? It might surprise you to learn that Bible translations led to many versions of Holy Scripture. Long ago, translators interpreted the Hebrew Bible, ensuring it would be enjoyed in many languages. But when they encountered Hebrew words they didn't understand, translators relied on their individual cultural context and used different words with different meanings unrelated to the original ones. This led to Bible versions that lacked the full, beautiful, original explanations becoming part of our history. So, Nehemiah, we're dealing with translation. A lot of the folks that are watching right now don't know yeah. we've already recorded two specials. Can you just give, not, not about the content, but the idea of what we're doing. Can you give our, our SNL folks a little bit of context about what we're trying to do? Yeah, well, we've been doing this series called Hebrew Gospel Pearls. And, that, and what we're looking at is the Hebrew version of the Gospel of Matthew, comparing it to the Greek. And we keep running into the same sort of issue. And the same sort of issue we keep running into is that when it comes to translation, all kinds of interesting things happen. And that's what you called tricks of translation. Mm -hmm. So I, th I thought we both decided what we want to do is tackle the issue of translation directly mm -hmm. rather than um, talking and, and getting you know, bogged down in the weeds of specific issues. We want to bring some case studies of translation that can teach us broader principles about what, what some of the pitfalls and dangers of, our, of translation are. And we were inspired by this Spanish, uh, or actually Italian rather, <laughs> this Italian expression, which is uh, in my broken Italian, <laughs> traditore, traditore, mm -hmm. which means the translator is a traitor. Mm -hmm. And we, we wanna look at some examples of that. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, what we decided to do. We did a series in December, and if I would have had my way, Nehemiah, if you weren't traveling all over the world, you would have done that. <laughs> well, that, I was in Italy. You were, yeah, it, it was the Vatican. A, it, absolutely, we did an SNL series called Why Not Jesus, and we had an amazing response, lots of people thinking and talking about it, and mm -hmm. I thought to myself, if we could just do one special regarding the tricks of translation with you, Nehemiah, as a mm -hmm. biblical scholar, Dr. Nehemiah Gordon, PhD, and also I happen to have another scholar that uh, we're gonna talk about, which is based on this, which I call the big book. Now, Nehemiah, we've done enough about the big book. I love how you explained it. Could mm -hmm. you give the history of what, why I brought this, what, what's so important about this book? Well, what's significant to it for me is that it's the first Jewish translation made in America of the Tanakh, of the mm -hmm. Hebrew Bible, mm -hmm. by a Jew. Mm -hmm. Up until then, you, uh, you, you, know, you had things that were done in Europe, um, and you had the King James Version. If you were a Jew in America in 1840 and you wanted to read the Bible, you had two choices. You could read it in Hebrew, or you could read uh, a Christian translation. Mm -hmm. And here, for the first time, we have a, an American Jew who is producing a translation for other American Jews. Based on good Hebrew scholarship, as he says. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's basing it on Hebrew scholarship of Jews and also non-Jews mm -hmm. of what was at the time considered the most advanced scholarship in the world uh, uh, that was taking place in Germany, mm -hmm. where you had wonderful scholars, linguists, who are trying to understand what it is the Hebrew Bible really means and what it says. Okay, so I wanted to tell you folks, I got this because our dear friends Rob and Christy Gebhardt uh, <laughs> let us use it. I don't know uh, how I could say it other than we found it at their house. Mm -hmm. Someone had given it to them. It was all broken up. 
we'll show you pictures when you come to our Tricks of Translation, but this is an amazing Bible. It's already shocked us. But the reason we're going to do the, the topic that we're doing is because of this, this idea of the name Jesus. But that has to do with what we did in the previous series. The reason I asked you to come and help me mm -hmm. is that we're actually going to do something. I'm going to entitle this for right now, probably a little controversial. A Jew and a Gentile explain the name Yeshua. Mm -hmm. And we're going to explain that name based on the big book, mm -hmm. which I know that you are <laughs> keen to do with me. Would you agree? Well, I think this would be surprising for a lot of people because Yeshua... That's the Hebrew name behind Jesus. You would think, how can you talk about this from a Jewish translation of the Hebrew Bible? Wouldn't yes. you have to look in the New Testament? Yeah. But actually, the name Yeshua appears in the Tanakh itself, yeah. referring to different historical figures. That's right. There's Yeshua, the son of Yehotzadak, mm -hmm. who was a high priest in the Second Temple period. And there is a man that we know as Joshua, mm -hmm. who is called Yeshua bin Nun, Yeshua, the son of Nun, mm -hmm. in the book of Nehemiah. <laughs> so what we're going to do yeah. is you're going to help us. And see, I want to ask you a question, yeah. Nehemiah. Before you ever dealt with any mm -hmm. Christian, Messianic, anyone like that, when you heard the name Yeshua, or the name that would be in Numbers, we're going to go to Numbers, when you heard that, did it cause any reaction? Did you, was it just another name in the Bible? I mean, yeah. I mean, it was the name of Moses' disciple, uh, Joshua, the son of Nun. So here's what's exciting, I, and I get the, I'm gonna get. And the I have a cousin named Yehoshua, right? It was, it's it's a common name. Okay, I, Keith, I was at the World Congress of Jewish Studies in Jerusalem, where you had the top scholars in the world, and they have a break, and they give you these little like a uh, uh, little piece of paper where you go and you hand it into the cafeteria, and they give you a sandwich. And there's different types of sandwiches. And one of the sandwiches is called the Yehoshua sandwich. <laughs> That's not true. That's no, it is. <laughs> about what are you yeah. talking about and there must have i'm assuming there was somebody in the catering department whose name was yoshua and he said oh let's mix this and that and <laughs> okay that. and they have a yoshua okay sandwich. all right so like it's not even controversial okay so here's here's what i wanted to, the reason i wanted to do this and i wanted i insisted and i gotta you, tell you yoshua was delicious it was wonderful i i want to tell you why i insisted that you come and and do this i found something in this bible that i found mm. in no other bible I've yeah. searched, we searched, our research assistant searched, you searched, and in this Bible, there's mm. something that I've only found regarding the name Yeshua that, um, that just that blesses me. But what I would like for us to do, we're going to do this, Nehemiah, within this period of time we have for SNL. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to Numbers chapter 13, mm -hmm. verse 16. Would you open Numbers 13, 16? Yeah. And I'm also going to open it up in what I call the big book. If you haven't heard about why I call it the big book, mm -hmm. you're going to have to watch some SNLs. You're going to have to watch A Rude Awakening. <laughs> this is, uh, this is mm. let's, just, let's just keep going here. Can you go okay. to Numbers 13, 16? Yeah. Do you want me to read it? Absolutely. But so, I want you to first read it in, uh, an, in, in the English version. An oh, English, an English version. version. Yes, any English All version. Right. So this is uh, King James? King James, perfect. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Oshea, the son of Nun, Jehoshua. Jehoshua. Excellent. Yep. Now go to the NIV. NIV. Let me pull that up here. Mm -hmm. Uh, NIV, these are the names of the men that Moses sent to explore the land. In parentheses, Moses gave Hosea, the son of Nun, the name Joshua. Okay. Now, 
again, a lot of times when I talk to you about this sort of thing, you're like, well, of course this is this. So when you read those verses, there's no nothing that jumps off the page for you. Well, what's significant for me is why did Moses change his name Amen. from Hosea to Yehoshua? Mm-hmm. And it's quite clear that Hosea means salvation or really he saves. Mm-hmm. And when you add the Yud to Hosea, it changes the vowel slightly. And you end up with Yehoshua, which means Yehovah saves. <laughs> and that was clearly something that was important enough for Moses to change his name over. Okay. He didn't want this generic, he saves. He wanted it to be known who saves. And he changed it to Yehoshua, Yehovah saves. Amen, amen. So, Numbers 13, 16 in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Yehoshua. <laughs> Mm-hmm. These are the uh, names of the men that Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Moshe, called Hosea, the son of Nun, Yehoshua. Can, uh, can, can, uh, uh, can we have a, what's a come to Jesus meeting real quick? We've had can a couple we, of those. Can, can we, we talk? make it a come to Yehoshua meeting? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, the reason I'm saying Jesus is because uh-huh. when you hear, now, now I want you to go New Testament with me. New Testament mm-hmm. with me. Yeah. New Testament with me, we talk about Jesus, Jesus in yeah. the English versions. Immediately yeah. when you see Jesus in the New Testament, do you mentally know where that name comes from? In other words, I'm just, for an average. For an average Jew, maybe not. I don't know. Look, I studied archaeology and and. He, biblical studies, and, and so of course I know. And what do you mean, of course you know? Well, I know because in the Second Temple period, we had these ossuaries, these bone boxes. Okay. And what happened is somebody would die, and they'd lay out the body for about a year, mm-hmm. and, and all the flesh would decay, and it would turn to bone. And then it was considered a great blessing to go crawl into this stinky tomb and pick up the bones and collect them and put them in a box. Yes. And then they would take a nail and they'd scratch the name in the dark with oil lamp. They'd scratch the name of the person who was buried in that box. Mm -hmm. And we have ossuaries where it says the name of the person in multiple languages. And we have an ossuary, for example, from the Second Temple period, where it says the name Jesus, which is the Greek behind Jesus. Mm -hmm. And on the same ossuary, it says Yeshua, right? So it was very clear. And then it also says Yeshu without the I in at the end. So it's very clear that in the minds of these people in the Second Temple period, these three names are equivalent. Jesus, or not, there's no J, right? So Yesus, Yeshua, and Yeshu and Yehoshua, these are four different forms of the same name in different languages. Mm-hmm. Just like when I'm in Israel, I'm Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. And when I go to, uh, uh, to the US and I speak to a government official, I'm Nehemiah. And when I go to Starbucks, it's Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> if I'm lucky, it's and Starbucks, And in Texas, right? Nehemiah. Nehemiah. <laughs> Right, so so it, it's clear that uh, those were equivalents, just like here today, Nehemiah, Nehemiah, Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. People understand it's the same name, mm-hmm. and back then they understood that the Greek form Jesus was Yeshua, Yehoshua, Yeshu. That mm-hmm. all of those were considered equivalents. Later, the rabbis pulled this fast one where they turned Yeshu into a curse. Okay. But that wasn't the case. It was okay. a nickname. Okay. So in the English, so for English, and I'm just taking you back real quick. And again, yeah. I, I hate you folks that we uh, we have limited time, but we're going to yeah. try to cover this. When you mm. go to the Tricks of Translation, Hebrew Gospel Pearls, the two mm-hmm. episodes, we have more time where we go into more depth. Yeah. But when uh, the English 
translators mm -hmm. get to Numbers chapter 13, 16, mm -hmm. what do you think they're thinking? Why do they do what they do? Well, well, it's really interesting. Let's look at the Greek for a second. Okay, excellent. So in the Greek, we have, um, we're the, it's interesting, and Moses called, and we have, I don't want to get into too much details here, because there's some complications in the Greek. Mm -hmm. but let's keep it simple here. This is Sweet's uh, 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 critical edition of the Greek. It says, Mouses, um, which mm -hmm. is Moses, mm -hmm. Moshe, he called Hause, mm -hmm. he, uh, the son of Naue, Yesun, mm -hmm. right? So Hause, the son of Naue, is in Hebrew, Hosea, the son of Nun, and what did he call him? Mm -hmm. Yesun. Mm -hmm. Yesun is a form of Jesus. Right. Why did he call it Yesun? Because there's no sh sound in Greek, mm -hmm. right? So he can't call him Yeshu or Yeshun. There's no s, mm -hmm. there's no sh, it becomes s. And then the last letter of Yeshua is an ayin, mm -hmm. which uh, most people have a trouble pronouncing in the Western world. Mm -hmm. And in the Second Temple period, even many Jews had trouble pronouncing it. And so they dropped that final ayin, and Yeshua became Yeshu. Mm -hmm. And in Greek, Yeshu was Yesu. Mm -hmm. And where do you get the su at the end or the nu? What was very common, Joseph, Joseph became Josephus. Mm -hmm. Yesu became Yesus, right? This was a, just part of the way the Greek language is structured. Mm -hmm. You end certain words, especially masculine words, with us. Mm -hmm. And the un there is a certain grammatical form which uh, makes it the accusative. That's, mm -hmm. that's a whole complicated <laughs> linguistic thing. Right. But basically it's Yesus. Mm -hmm. Yesus comes from Yeshu, which comes from Yeshua, which becomes comes from Yehoshua. Mm -hmm. Now, why didn't it say in the Greek they called him Yehoshua? Because this was a common name, mm -hmm. right? They're they're swapping it out with a common name. It's just like I mean, look when I write an academic paper mm -hmm. and I'm talking about. I did this recently. I wrote a, a, a and if we have time, we'll get to. We'll talk about a rabbi who wrote a book called Minchat Shai, mm -hmm. and Minchat Shai was written by Shlomo Yedidya Nozi and uh, Nozi. And when I write it in English, I don't call him Shlomo Yedidya. I call him Solomon Jedidiah. Why do I do that? Because these are standard forms of the name Shlomo Yedidya. Mm -hmm. And so when they saw Yehoshua, the standard way to translate it was Yesus, mm -hmm. which in English is Jesus because the J was swapped out the Y, mm -hmm. right? But in Greek, it's Yesus. It's very common. Mm -hmm. Joshua, the son of Nun, is called Yesus mm -hmm. in this passage as well, mm -hmm. in many passages. Mm -hmm. uh, we have Yehoshua, the son of Yehotzadak, who is the high priest in the second temple. He's called Yesus. And Yeshua of Nazareth was called Yesus in Greek. And like I said, there are ossuaries, these bone boxes, mm -hmm. where they scratch the name Yesus into the into I, the. I hope that when we do this, you'll have a, a, one of the images that we can put up for the people that they yeah. can actually see that and you can explain yeah, you yeah. can explain what's going on there. Now, we did something. We did some study. And again, yeah. we have limited time, but we, we mm -hmm. did some study in terms of looking at different manuscripts and how mm -hmm. different manuscripts do this. Nehemiah, uh, before the end of the first section, we got a few minutes here. What would you yeah. like to share in terms of what, what happened during our study session? Well, so one of the things I'd like to look at here is... Um, and boy, there's so many different, really interesting things. Mm -hmm. um, I want to look at Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 17. Absolutely, and we're going to use both of those mm -hmm. for that. The significance of Nehemiah 8, 17 mm -hmm. is there Joshua, the son of Nun, which is, and here we have, look, it says, Moshe called his, the, uh, they call, he called Hoshea 
Ben Nun Yehoshua. He added a Yud to his name, changing it from He Saves to Yehovah Saves. Mm-hmm. Now, when he was called Hosea, we have a prophet named Hosea. Mm-hmm. There's a whole book of Hosea. For most Israelites, they understood Hosea, he saves, refers to Yehovah. Mm-hmm. But just to remove any ambiguity, he added the, no question. the name. Yeah. Ye- Ye- Yehoshua is Yehovah Yoshia, Yehovah saves. Mm-hmm. And it removes the ambiguities. And that was important to Moshe at a time when there were people worshiping Baal. What's beautiful about Nehemiah 8, 17 mm-hmm. is that we see there that it's talking historically about some incident that happened they um, they uh, were celebrating Sukkot mm-hmm. and the beautiful, beautiful passage in Nehemiah 8. They didn't know about Sukkot when they came back from exile. Mm-hmm. And so they read from the Torah and they hear this festival of Sukkot exists. They say, we better do this. And they did it on a massive scale, which hadn't been done since the time of Joshua. Mm-hmm. Since the time shortly after they entered uh, the land, after Moses died under Joshua. And it says, the whole company that had returned from exile built booths, Sukkot, and lived in them from the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, this is the NIV, mm-hmm. until that day the Israel had not cel- Israelites not celebrated like this, meaning on that scale, mm-hmm. and their joy was very great. And in the Hebrew, it doesn't say Yehoshua bin Nun, Yeshua, mm-hmm. the son of Nun. It says Yeshua bin Nun, mm-hmm. Yeshua, the son of Nun. Mm-hmm. Now, why did it do that? There were very important linguistic reasons why that happened. There was a process in Hebrew, in certain dialects of Hebrew, where the letter hey dropped out or it wasn't pronounced. In fact, to this day in Israel, that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was especially true in northern Israel. And so Yehoshua became Yoshua, which through something called dissimulation ended up as Yeshua. Mm-hmm. So, and when we look in the Greek, it's Yesu, Huyo Naue, Yeshua, the son of Nun. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what's interesting is look at Nehemiah 8.17 in the Greek and Numbers 13, 16 in the Greek, and they both say Yesu or Yesus, mm-hmm. right? Which is where we get Jesus from, mm-hmm. but it's the Greek form of it. But in Hebrew, they're different. One's Yehoshua and the other is Yeshua. Um, when we were looking at this, uh, we um, asked a few questions and one of them was, um, uh, uh, are there any sources where Yeshua here in Nehemiah 8.17 Instead of instead of it being called his name being called Yeshua, uh, is it ever Yehoshua? So Nehemiah, we've got about a minute before we're going to take a break, folks. Yeah. I just want to say something. We're going to get to that in the second half. Mm. The other thing that we're going to do is we're going to look at both of these verses. Yeah. In the big book, yeah. when I let you give your opinion of what you see and what I see, but like I said, what I found in here. Uh, shocked me because we look translation of translation of translation. We have a Jewish translator who doesn't do a trick when it comes to the name Yeshua. So mm-hmm. we're going to uh, keep studying. Is there anything you want to say? We got just a few seconds. Anything you want to say about this? For- well, I'm really excited. One of the things here we have in the name Yeshua is um, in, in uh, for we only have a few seconds, I don't know if I can do it, but just really quickly, <laughs> in Numbers 13, 16, in the King James, it's Oshea, mm-hmm. in Douay Rams, it's Osea, and in many, most other translations, it's Hosea with an H. Mm-hmm. And what's the difference between the H and without the H? This doesn't come from the Hebrew. It actually goes back to the Greek, mm-hmm. that in some Greek manuscripts, the name Hosea is written house, and in other Greek manuscripts, it's written ause. And this has to do with a linguistic variant within the Greek. 
And these is based on little symbols that they added to the Greek text, and they were added in a relatively late period, mm. right? In the fourth century, when Codex Vaticanus was written, these symbols weren't mm. there, and they were later added, creating the difference between Hosea and Osea, and now that's been carried over into the English translation. He say, who say, I say, who say. <laughs> Let's take a break and we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back, folks. I gotta just tell you something, I miss Scott. <laughs> Scott does this in such a great way, I don't know how he does it. But listen, we're gonna keep going. Uh, I wanna, Nehemiah, I wanna open mm. up uh, these two verses, okay? Can we do that? In the big book. In the big book. We're looking at the big book, okay. but before I do that, I wanna read something that he puts at the front of the book that is just, for me, a game changer. And just to remind people, this is Rabbi Isaac, Isaac Leeser. 1853. 1853, the first Jew to create an English translation in the United States. In the United States. Okay. He did something in his intro, and I'm going to take a second to say this. He, he says this. He found great difficulty about coming to a satisfactory resolution with regard to the spelling of the proper nouns. Anyone of the least acquainted with the manner that they are presented in the common versions and the languages of Western Europe must know that they are very much corrupted. But they have in this shape become so much interwoven with the language of history and of daily conversation that it would have produced endless confusion to spell them after the original manner. Mm -hmm. Hence, the ordinary method had to be retained for words in constant use. But where there was not the case, a spelling more in accordance with the original has been resorted to. I love this, what he does. This is up on the screen for you all. The J, say J. J. Should always, say always. Always. Be pronounced as Y. Can you say Y? Y. In other words, if you see a proper noun that is with J in this book, mm -hmm. it should be pronounced as yeah. To accord with the Hebrew, and uh, I-A is Y-A. A should be uh, sounded as a long ah, E as long A, I as long E, and U as oo. And then it says here, uh, let me see here, and where it comes to the ion, <laughs> mm -hmm. if it occurs, if the ion is in the word, at the end of the word, there's going to be an apostrophe. And it, the apostrophe has been used for, for the most part, but there are no English letters to represent these sounds exactly, mm -hmm. is what he's saying. So far, so good? Yeah. So, he's telling me at the beginning, now, if you come across some words, but here's what he, this is the part that excites me. Can I read uh, Numbers 13, 16 from the big book? Yeah. Please put it up on the screen. Here's what it says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua, and then he puts brackets and says, Yehoshua. <laughs> and he adds, uh, okay, so that's, that's what he- With a Y or with a J? <laughs> no, listen. I've never seen I, well, You've never seen this. I want oh, you to take a look. He, I keep asking for, oh, it has it with a Y, Yehoshua. Wow. Do you think that I'm like, we've never seen that, right? In the, I, I, yeah. In the English translation. Okay. Especially so. after he just said, treat every J like a Y. Yeah. But here he needs to go out of his way to put the Y in. And so he says Joshua and then he puts mm. it in Yehoshua. But here's the thing there's a note. Can I read the note? What's the note? In the note, it says this This signifies, may the Lord aid thee. <laughs> aid thee. Aid, help thee. 
Some suppose that this name was given to Hosea at the time he entered the service of Moses. Others, however, that it was bestowed at the present occasion and is to be viewed as a prayer. May the Lord save thee from the counsel of the spies. Mm-hmm. What do you say about that, Nehemiah? He's well, letting yeah. us know that the word Yeho, I mean, he's, he's right. clearly letting it be known. He wants it to be known that Yehoshua means Yehovah Yoshia, Yehovah save say you. Say that again and slow down. Yehoshua he means Yehovah Yoshia, Yehovah save. Amen. And in this case, he says, well, maybe it's actually a prayer. May Yehovah Yoshia, may Yehovah save you from the wicked counsel of the other spies. <laughs> now, permission to go to uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 17. Let's hear it. I'm going to read it first and have you take a look at it. And I love mm-hmm. what he does here. It says here, and I've never seen this before. And all the congregation, verse 17, and all the congregation that were returned out of the captivity made booths and mm-hmm. dwelt in the booths for since the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, until that day, the children of Israel had not done so. But then when I look a little closer, read what he has for Jeshua and then think about what he just said about how it's to be spelled. Mm-hmm. So he has Jeshua with a little apostrophe at the end of the word, which means, which tells you it's not actually pronounced Yeshua. First of all, he said a J is a Y. Yep. So it's not it's not Yeshua. So it's it's Yeshua. Yeshua. It's actually Yeshua. Mm-hmm. And now Nehemiah, you and I have With done some I things. Am. I'm going to do something. I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. Yeah. You and I have been some places and where people will 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 say, and when you say, "What does Yeshua mean?" and they'll say it's the same word for salvation. Salvation. And why is that not correct? So the word for salvation is, and this might sound like I'm splitting hairs, but it's the the nuances of language. The word for salvation is Yeshua, and this is Yeshua. Mm -hmm. It's two different words. Mm -hmm. Uh, You might say, oh, it's just a different emphasis. Well, actually, it's spelled differently. Mm. One has the letter He at the end, Yeshua, or sorry, Yeshua, which is salvation. And by the way, that's a name. Mm -hmm. You have people in the Middle Ages who are called... Yeshua, um, which means salvation. And then you have Yeshua, which is Yehovah Yoshia, Yehovah saves. Mm-hmm. Now, real quick before we get to this, yeah. there was a difference between uh, the time of Moses and Second Temple times with some yeah. words, some names changing. In other words, yeah. in other words, you had the, the, this name that was back at the time of Moses that also was used in post-exilic. Take my name. Right. It, we have inscriptions where my name is used, mm-hmm. and it's Nehemiahu. Mm-hmm. And in Second Temple times, Nehemiahu becomes Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Because many Jews in Second Temple times didn't pronounce the letter He as a He. They pronounced it as an uh, uh mm-hmm. really as an olive. Mm-hmm. And so Nehemiahu became Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. The He essentially dropped. Mm-hmm. So Yehoshua became Yeshua, mm-hmm. the hay, pronunciation of the hay dropped. Mm-hmm. You have that sometimes happen in First Temple times where Yehonatan, which is Jonathan, was uh, pronounced Yonatan, mm-hmm. right? We, so we have that. We have Eliyahu written as Eliyah, uh, Elijah, uh, in First Temple times, but in Second Temple times it becomes much more widespread. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is particularly true in northern Israel, but not only in northern Israel. Okay. There, there are these interesting discussions of, of one group of Jews making fun of the other group of Jews because they don't pronounce the letter hey, mm-hmm. to the point where there's a, a ruling in the Talmud that you must not let a Jew from Beit Shan 
or Haifa, these are two cities in northern Israel, lead the prayer services because they pronounce the hey as an aleph, mm-hmm. meaning they pronounce ha as an oh. We actually have that in English, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where there are people, instead of house, they'll say aus, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's a common thing in many mm-hmm. languages, and it happened in Hebrew, and that's how you got Yehoshua turned into Yeshua. So here we have, Nehemiah, back to this, this book. Yeah. Here we have this translator who is a Jewish... An, Orthodox, by the way, mm-hmm. back at that time. Yeah. Uh, a rabbi who's saying, I want to the best of my ability to, to, to give it to you the way that it was, that was said. And when he got to this, mm-hmm. he didn't think he needed to do tricks. He didn't mm-hmm. need to do any games. He didn't want to disconnect the name mm. from its <laughs> language, history, and context. Yeah. And yet, in many translations, they actually do do that. Before we get to that, can we go to this, this, the manuscript that you're going to show us regarding... Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is really interesting. So uh, I asked the question, okay, we have Yeshua, the son of Nun, in the Hebrew, in Nehemiah 8.17, but I've been around the block a few times, and I know <laughs> that just because I have that in my accordance software, and just because I have that in... I can even open the, the Aleppo right. Codex. Right. It doesn't mean I have that in every manuscript. So we have this really powerful tool created by a man named Benjamin Kennecott. Mm-hmm. He published his book in 1776. It was a two-volume book. So the second volume that we're dealing with was published in 1780. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Mm-hmm. So it's over 200 years ago, 250 years ago, he published this book. And what he did is he went through hundreds of manuscripts that were available to him at the time. Now, today we have thousands of manuscripts available, mm-hmm. and nobody has done what he did in 1776. Wow. wow. Nobody's brought it up to date, so we're still kind of stuck with what, we, what he has for now. And I wanted to see, are there any manuscripts where instead of Yeshua, it says Yehoshua in Nehemiah 8.17? Because, remind the people again, because even though it's, Yeshua in 8.17 of Nehemiah, it's the same person as the one that's in Numbers chapter 13. Right, and how do I know it's the same one? Because it says, since the days of Yeshua the son of Nun. Mm. Well, who is Yeshua the son of Nun? He was the disciple of Moses. Amen. He has a whole book named after him where he's called Yehoshua mm-hmm. with a hey, right? So it's uh, an exception to the rule where it's written Yeshua without the hay. Mm-hmm. So my question was, do we have any manuscripts where it's written Yehoshua? So I open up Kennecott's book and he brings two sources. Now what he does is he gives you a number and then you have to decipher that number and figure out what manuscript he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And then you have to check to see is he actually right? And he's not always <laughs> He's not right. always right. And in this case, he's half right. So I wanna show you this manuscript here. This is a manuscript that's in Oxford University, which was very easy for Kennecott to get to because he was a librarian in Oxford University. Mm -hmm. And in this manuscript in Oxford University uh, called Or 46, that is Oriental 46, on folio 48V, it says, and instead of Yeshua ben ben Nun, it says, well, let's back up. You see a bunch of things there that aren't Hebrew. Mm -hmm. What those are are annotations added by a Christian scribe. Mm -hmm. So this is a 13th century manuscript from Northern Europe, from what we call Ashkenaz, Mm -hmm. uh, which is Germany, France, uh, and England at the time. And uh, at some point, this manuscript was stolen from the Jews and it was used by Christians. Mm -hmm. And they wrote the, the translation of each word 
in Latin above each word, mm-hmm. right? So those the little writings that look like English, that's actually the Latin translation of each word. Mm-hmm. But I'm not interested so much in the Latin translation. I want to see what the original Jewish scribe wrote. And the original Jewish scribe wrote Yehoshua. And this is Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 17. This is not right. Numbers chapter 13, 16. This is a Nehemiah 8, 17. Mm-hmm. The original scribe wrote Yehoshua. However... There were two original scribes involved in the production of this manuscript, which was very common. One of the scribes wrote the consonants, and another scribe wrote the vowels. Mm -hmm. And the scribe who wrote the vowels comes to write the vowels, and he realizes there's a mistake here. (laughs) And he crosses out the hey and the vav of Yehoshua. See a little line there? There's a little cross out there. And he writes in the vowels for Yeshua. <laughs> now, what he should have done was added a little vav between the shin and the ayin because the vav is missing. Mm-hmm. But he was satisfied with writing the vowels for Yeshua as three dots instead of as a vav. So, first of all, what Kennecott told us is only half true. Mm-hmm. Kennecott told us in 1780 that, Yeho- that instead of Yeshua, it's written Yehoshua. Mm-hmm. And what he really should have said is, Originally, it was written Yehoshua, and the pointer, the scribe who added the vowels, which is part of the original production of the manuscript, came along and changed Yehoshua to Yeshua, Mm. meaning it was a mistake that was corrected. But it was a mistake that originally was written. Mm -hmm. There's a second mistake here, by the way, where he forgot to write son of Nun. (laughs) And so the scribe who wrote the vowels wrote son of Nun on the right-hand side there, in the margin. By the way, it's pretty clear why the mistake happened. We have the phrase from the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, so, or, you know, such happened. Mm-hmm. And um, the word so and the word son look very similar in Hebrew, ben and mm-hmm. ken, or bean and ken. Mm-hmm. And so he, uh, his eye jumped when he was copying it. He made a mistake. The corrector fixed it. So we have one manuscript where originally it was written Yehoshua, but then it was corrected during the original production to Yeshua. He brings a second source, Kennecott. Mm -hmm. And the second source, uh, and here we have to be careful because Kennecott uh, didn't always use manuscripts. Sometimes he used printed editions and sources that described Mm -hmm. other sources. So his second source he brings is number 300. And I look up number 300, and it's a book that was printed in 1742 by a rabbi named Shlomo Yedidya Norzi, it's known as Minchat Shai, I mentioned it before, mm-hmm. Solomon Jedediah Norzi. And what Norzi was doing is he, um, they, people had printed the Bible and they made a lot of mistakes when they printed the Tanakh in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And he got worried about this. He's like, wait, it's one thing if you're writing a manuscript and you make a mistake so we can compare manuscripts and each manuscript's unique. Now you've printed 500 or 1,000 copies. People are going to think that's what it's supposed to say. Mm-hmm. And so he went through this uh, printed edition of the Bible and he made notes on every single word of what it's supposed to say and when there were mistakes in the printed Bibles he was mm-hmm. dealing with. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to Nehemiah 8.17, he has a series of remarks. And he starts out saying, okay, It says from the days of Yeshua, the son of Nun. And he says, but in the Talmud, this verse is quoted in the Babylonian Talmud. And in the Babylonian Talmud, when it's quoted, it says Yehoshua with a hey. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine, no problem. 
The Talmud quotes the Tanakh very often. The Talmud was completed in the year 500, but we have copies of it that are much later. And they often sometimes will loosely quote mm-hmm. what the, the biblical verse says. What's important is when their interpretation reflects a certain reading that's different than our reading. Mm-hmm. So he then jumps to the, that's the Babylonian Talmud. He jumps to the Jerusalem Talmud. And he says in the Jerusalem Talmud, it's written, not only is it written Yeshua, but there's a discussion of why it's written without the hey, why it's written Yeshua instead of Yehoshua mm-hmm. in Nehemiah 8, uh, 17. So rather than reading what Norsey says, this is what it looks like in Norsey's book from 1742. I want to look at what it says in uh, the Jerusalem Talmud. Now, the Jerusalem Talmud is a bit tricky here, okay? Because the Babylonian Talmud survived in many, many copies. Mm -hmm. But the Jerusalem Talmud only survived in one manuscript, which was then printed in Venice around the year 1523. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing up here on the screen is the 1523 edition of the Jerusalem Talmud. And here you see uh, it quotes the verse, for they did not do so from the days of Yehoshua, the son of Nun. And it has Yehoshua with the hay. Mm -hmm. And then it says, and why is it Yehoshua? Why is it written Yehoshua? Which is a bit strange. Yehoshua is the normal way to write it. Mm -hmm. So in other words, it doesn't have Yeshua in the Venice edition of 1523. Mm -hmm. It has Yehoshua. And then what's the answer? So Rabbi Hillel, who was the son of Shmuel Bar Nachman, explains, uh, the scripture uh, diminished the honor of a righteous man who was in the grave in favor of a righteous man who was alive. Mm-hmm. What on earth does that mean? Mm-hmm. So the context here is, 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 is Ezra. Mm-hmm. It's talking about Ezra the scribe. And what, it, expl- what it, it is explaining is that the honor of Joshua, the son of Nun, was diminished, Joshua, who was in the grave, in deference to Ezra, who was alive. Mm-hmm. But you read it here and you say, how is his honor diminished? Mm-hmm. Doesn't make any sense. So now what we have to do is rather than look only at the printed edition from 1523 of the Jerusalem Talmud, we have to look at the only surviving manuscript mm-hmm. of the Jerusalem Talmud. And we, in this case, we have a very rare occurrence. We have the, a, this printed edition of the Jerusalem Talmud based on a known manuscript that has survived. And the manuscript that survived is the Leiden manuscript. Mm-hmm. The Leiden manuscript today is in Leiden, in um, I want to say that's uh, uh, the Netherlands or Belgium or someplace like that. Mm-hmm. And they have a manuscript called Oriental 4720. And here you can see the manuscript. And here in the manuscript, it doesn't say Yehoshua with the hay. It says Yeshua. Mm-hmm. And so it quotes the verse, for they did not do so from the time of Yeshua, the son of Nun. And it says, why Yeshua? Meaning, why Yeshua and not Yehoshua? <laughs> right. And the answer given is the same exact answer as we saw before uh, in the name of this uh, late third or fourth century rabbi. Scripture diminished the honor of the righteous man. How did it diminish his honor? By leaving out the hay from the name. Uh, uh, it diminished the honor of the, of the dead righteous man 
in deference to the honor of the living righteous man. Yeah. Now you could say that's not why scripture did it, mm-hmm. right? Scripture didn't leave out the hay of the name Yehoshua and make it Yeshua in order to honor Ezra. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But what it shows you is when this, these rabbis were discussing this in the late third, early fourth century, so 1700 years ago, in their text, it said in Nehemiah 8, 17, Yeshua without the hay. It's definitive proof. Nehemiah, we got 41 seconds left. Mm. What does the name Yeshua mean? Language, before you say it, don't say it quick. Language, history, and context, PhD, Dr. Gordon. If you see the word Yeshua, if you hear the word Yeshua, what does that name mean? Yeshua means the exact same thing as Yehoshua, which is Yehovah Yoshia, Yehovah saves. Amen, amen, amen. You all, thank you so much Mm. for hanging here with us. We sometimes spend hours on one verse. Go to Hebrew Gospel Pearls at Nehemiah's Wall, bfainternational.com, A Root Awakening, the, the app here at A Root Awakening. Thank you to A Root Awakening. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Michael, all of you. Uh, this is just a way for us to let you know what we've been doing. And again, Nehemiah, thank you so much for taking a break from your world travels. And uh, this, is, mm-hmm. uh, this is the end of our time. Amen? Amen. Amen. 